This is episode number 227. How do you live every day with purpose or intention? With David Hennessy. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lokid, and this is the Overcoming Outs podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being is if you have enjoyed any of the previous episodes or if this is your first time tuning in, consider supporting our cause by making a donation through our website at overcomingodds.today so we can continue creating and sharing these courageous and inspiring conversations. The second announcement that I wanted to make is an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming experience called Survive to Thrive Attitude of Gratitude. This is a weekly conversation that is broadcasted live through Facebook and LinkedIn where we explore the topics around the concepts of the connection between gratitude and grief, gratitude and resilience, gratitude and relationships in our lives, and many other topics. If you'd like to know more details about any of these upcoming experiences, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the time and place that each and every single one of these takes place. Last but not least, if you've enjoyed any of the previous episodes, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. There he is, David. Hello. Hello, Oleg, <laughs> and hello, everybody listening. I'm excited about this. One time they'll see. <laughs> yes. Sir. You know, one thing before we get into the theme and the topic of today's episode that I wanted to just acknowledge about who you are. So when you and I connected, I think we had 10, 15 minutes schedule, probably well, went well into the hour. Yes, um, we did. I just felt that there was so much synergy in regard to the different things that we've experienced and read and the directions that we're heading in. And the one thing that I wanted to acknowledge about you is your ability to be open-minded. I mean, it is um, one of a kind, truly is. Having Thank met you. the number of people that I have, how you're able to kind of maintain this open perspective, I don't have any way of knowing, but just daily practice and years and years and years worth of reminding yourself to do it. But I just wanted to express that to you because it's a, it's a skill in my opinion. Wow. That's wonderful. That you would say that Olik. Uh, you've made my day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I will have to say you're right. For those people listening to give an idea, Oleg started talking about some books and literally I just reached over to my shelf and I had the same <laughs> book on the shelf. That's amazing. And we're, and I remembered the books. It wasn't like it was a book on the shelf. It was books that I'd read multiple times. Mm -hmm. about that. So yeah, sometimes there's just a click and that's so true. I don't even, I don't think I, I don't remember asking you this question, but when did you first start this journey of introspection, reflection, and really just like the discovery and, and just the complete exploration that you're on right now? 
Wow, what a great question. I know the pivotal moment in my time we talked about before, which was 20 years ago when I started putting together the wonder technique. But I think that it was, I mean, my dad gave me a book when I was 16 years old, a Dale Carnegie book that I totally ignored, but I remember receiving it from him. And then I journeyed into university originally to work as a, to learn to become a mechanical engineer. And I ended up in psychology and fell in love with that. And that was in my early twenties. So when did it begin? Uh, specifically, I can't give a, a moment in time, but I've always been a person that has been quite reflective because I wow. used to, I started writing when I was quite young. Uh, and so, well, young, shall we say, when I was a teenager, I started to put down ideas that were floating around in my mind just to integrate them and to try and put things together. And actually, for anybody listening, writing, and I will say writing with a pen or pencil on paper as against mm -hmm. digitally, there's something about that for us as human beings. We don't have to go back to carving it in stone. That's pretty ancient <laughs> approach. <laughs> but there's something, the mechanical process and writing things down really helps us get clear on our ideas. And I do believe that if we have something we want to work on in our lives, if it's something as simple as an intention, a goal in our lives, if we're not willing to take the time to actually write it down, then that suggests to me and to yourself that it's not something you're really interested in. Uh -huh. You will take the time to do something that's important to you. You don't leave things out that are important. So I've been curious about that for quite quite some time. <clears throat> and it's this concept of writing it down on paper using pen or pencil compared to um, typing it out on the computer. And I will say that for me, I have noticed that there is a difference. There's a difference in how I <clears throat> there's a difference in how I approach it. So for example, if I have my to-do list on the sheet of paper written out, Yes. There is a higher, I don't know if it's necessarily a higher likelihood that I'm going to commit to those things versus if it's in the computer, like in a spreadsheet. And maybe that goes back to the fact that I haven't, I've developed a um, set of habits when it comes to one and that set of habits when it comes to the other. But very rarely will you find me starting off my day by going to an Excel sheet and checking off the things that I wanted to do but you will find me looking at the spreadsheet or sticky notes. I actually just started using sticky notes. And so every single day I just take it off, recycle it. And then I, I have a completely new one. And now that's really this. interesting. That's really interesting. Cause if, if I may just jump in there, the fact yeah. that you take it off and start over again mm -hmm. is every day. I mean, Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a uh, writer, still alive, I think he's in his 90s now, is a Zen Buddhist uh, monk. He, he wrote in one of his books that I really like, Pieces Every Step, which is also on the shelf there. I won't reach over right now and grab it, <laughs> but it's one of my favorite books and a book that I've gifted to a lot of people because it's short little stories. And one of the things he said, every day is a brand new day. And when you tear off that sticky note and start again you're starting fresh and truthfully every day really is a brand new day no mm -hmm. matter how bad the day has been before and all of us myself included have had really bad days and it's not about which is worse than someone else's it's just you've had a i want to get past this you have a fresh new day to start so your approach to doing that is really valuable and and in fact when 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 i put stuff on the computer it tends to get lost in the system <laughs> You know, it's like it's articles that never get written, but you had the idea. But if I write it down on a piece of paper, it gets done. Yeah. 
Now, yeah, I, I pick, that's history or not. Okay, go I, ahead. I picked pick this up from a friend of mine five or six years ago. He did a similar concept where <laughs> one was positive. He he ended up just going to like a Walmart or a Dollar Dollar General, and he yeah. would buy those notepads that you can yes. get like a stack of three or six. Yes, and literally just write out the to do list on that sheet of paper, yes. and then next day he would rip it out. And then start a complete new one. And so he would transfer over some of the things from the previous day. But that was a habit I picked up from him. And I will tell you this, that for me, <laughs> as far as the impact that it has had, is it's exactly what you just pointed out. Every single day when I have the opportunity to, quote unquote, make a new list, it, I approach it through the lens of this is a new day. Yes. No, I don't. Because I think there is something about the energy. And, I, and I've done this so I can speak somewhat to the experience. Mm -hmm. When I used to write to-do lists before, I would just have the same exact list carrying from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday to Thursday to Friday. Well, the problem for me was that I was carrying the energy from Monday to Tuesday. From uh -huh. Tuesday, I was carrying the energy of Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, it was Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Wow. So as you mentioned, if there was a day that things didn't work according to the plan, that was with me every step of the way. But if when I started to start over, start from scratch every single day, I was able to reset that energy to a degree. Fantastic. And now that's, I think that's, a, that's great. I mean, anybody listening, if you need to, if you could rewind this, what you just said, <laughs> this is brilliant. I mean, you're talking about resetting the energy each day. And also, what I can hear from you, Oleg, if I'm correct. And those people that are listening, this, these are simple, fundamental practices, but they can change you because when you look at the list, say, for example, you've let's say you use 10 items you wrote down today and this evening you have three done. It doesn't matter, you know, three most important things. And the next morning you go to write it. You look back and go, I'm rewriting it. But actually, you know what? That's no longer important. Like you get a new view on things, just like Oleg was saying. You're looking at it again. Do I actually need to write this down? And I think that's really important for us with our intention. Do we want to carry something to the next day? It's mm -hmm. a very, very, very wise observation, Oleg. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes, or maybe more times than we want to admit, we carry something <laughs> from the past mm -hmm. unknowingly in the suitcase that we carry into the next day. Mm -hmm. And it's still there. So it's very, very good observation. So I'm, I'm a real believer in that. And because there is, there is a difference in our age, without saying that anything particular, you know, the fact that you're doing this, most people, you know, they, they're in the, the, the state of mind, everything is digital. But there's something also about digital that when you write a letter to somebody, like okay. I still write letters to people. I, I text, I write emails, I do all kinds of stuff. But when you write a letter to somebody, it's something very different than when you write a text. Yes. You know, and I've, I've now tuned my email habit where when I write an email, I don't send it right away because what it is, grammatical errors, spelling errors, or is that exactly what I really want to say? Because there's no tone, there's no context. Mm -hmm. That's the danger of text. Text is terrible for being misinterpreted. And I've had that happen in my own life where it's like, no, no, that's not what I meant. Or I misunderstood, which is can happen quite regularly, what the other person was asking. 
because there's no context or tone, like you're not sure. But when you sit down and write something out and you're writing it particularly about your purpose, what you want to do that day, you want to be very clear on it. So you've, mm -hmm. you've got that mastered. Bravo. Mm -hmm. How awesome. intentional are you throughout your day? Oh, I begin and end my day extraordinarily intentional because the day then becomes quite fluid. And this is uh, something I've shared before, what I call framing the day. So similar, but not the same as what you're doing. I wake up in the morning and to share with people, I go through a process of awareness that as we start to wake up, we move through different levels of brain activity. Now, if you think of the acronym BAT, B-A-T, so you've got beta, alpha, and theta, we're actually coming the opposite way. And if you're in really, really deep sleep, you're in delta, but you're, you've got theta, then you've got alpha, and then you've got beta. So as you're waking up, you're going through that foggy kind of gray area stage in your mind. As I'm doing that, I am talking to myself about what's important for me to have experience in my life. And that day is part of it. So I'll be thinking about, for example, that we have, have this podcast today. And I'll be mm -hmm. looking in my mind, not just for words, but feeling the experience by adding emotion to it. Because emotion is the key. Emotion will get some people to do stuff or not to do stuff. So I, I move through that process of thinking about the things that are important to me in my life. And I have a certain protocol, like I'm thinking about my physical health and well-being. I'm thinking about my friends. I'm thinking about what I want to do and impact in the world. And then when, as I'm starting to wake up, that's priority in my mind. Then right away, I write down five things that I'm grateful for, mm -hmm. pen and paper on a notepad. And I've got a stack of notepads that are like, you know, you just buy, like children use them in school. And, you know, they're, it's nothing wow, fancy books or anything. It's just, and I write it down. And that frames my day at the beginning as to what's important. I don't look at my phone right away. I don't, there's no, there's no digital input. There's no outside input until that happens. And then at the very end of my day, I do the reverse. I'll write down five things I'm grateful for. Now, those five things don't have to be for those people listening. If they're thinking, well, you know, it has to be like I you know, I got the new job or I met the new person in my life. No, it can be anything as simple as, you know what, I, I have a roof over my head. I have clothing up for me. My, my children are around me. It doesn't matter what it is, something very simple. It focuses your mind at the beginning of the day on what you've got to be grateful for it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, so as you, when I write those things down and then as I go, uh, go to sleep again, Oleg, what I'm doing is I'm doing the reverse. As I drift into sleep, I'm thinking about what's important to me and so it's like a whole framework, but it's very simple and it's a habit that I've developed, particularly over the last two, three years. I realized the power of that because you mentioned before in the introduction about the power of intention. It's really where your mind is positioned. Mm -hmm. And I know that it is very dangerous for me and other people listening can probably relate to this, that if our mind is not in the right state, like if you wake up and start thinking about things that are painful in your life, your focus is on that pretty much yeah. all day. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to get it out of your mind. Yeah. So you really need to take control of your mind. Your mind is open to whatever you want. Does it, you want to go positive? You want to go negative? And I also will say that in regard to what you just said, my experience has taught me is that if I focus on, let's say, painful or elements that produce anxiety or depression or stress, yes, most of the conversations that I'll have throughout that day and the people that I attract into it and the energies are those same exact things. Yes. And when that made sense to me, as far as 
there's truly something powerful that's happening that is outside of my own individual bubble. Yes. And that is the attraction that I pull in and gravitate towards within other people. That's where I started to kind of reverse my own behaviors. And so instead of waking up and thinking, man, this sucks, or I can't believe this happened. I really try and I acknowledge them as thoughts, but how I choose to verbalize them, I think that's the difference, you know, because I think, I, I don't know what your experience has been, and I'm curious to hear it. I experience those thoughts on a daily basis. I think the difference for me is what do I choose to do with them? And mm -hmm. which of those thoughts do I want to bring to my awareness, therefore commit to as far as the actions or conversations or other forms of intentions go. And I've realized that in just acknowledging the thoughts for what they are, which are just thoughts there. I don't know how I read recently it was like 60,000, some uh, large number like that. It's a large number of thoughts that we experience. <clears throat> and I just started to realize that this is just a thought. This is a thought. I don't have to commit my awareness to it. I, I can choose another thought that comes along the, the flow, so to speak. Yes, actually. And what you're referring to here, I have learned about myself and learned working with other people and learned from learning from other people. When you have a thought, that's the first step. Then you vocalize it. It's like you're affirming the thought. Yeah. And then if you write it down, you're affirming it even more. <clears throat> You have to be very conscious of your own behaviors. And I'll give an example in my own life. Um, those people listening, unless they've heard me talk before, they will not know, like, for example, certain circumstances happen since I'm, I'm living in France right now. But when I moved to France, lots of things went the wrong way, shall we say, in my experience that I didn't really and truly anticipate. And when, you know, my dad passed away, all kinds of things happened. And I had, a, I was in a rock climbing accident. I couldn't walk. I reached a point where I, I share this with people because I think it's really important. And it's on topic. What we're talking about, Oleg, is that I have a lot of really good friends and they've been with me for years. And what I found out about the experience was, is I was going through all these things that happened and there was multiple car accidents where people ran into me in this period of like five, six years. I somehow had a click in my mind where I need to stop talking about this, even though my friends would always listen. And, and you know, one of the classic things I always hear is like, geez, David, one of those things would have been enough to knock me off. Like I would have mm -hmm. been down and out. And I, you know, there's like, how do you manage to deal with this? But somehow I realized, and I don't know where I got it from. I really don't. I wasn't going through therapy or anything is that I need to stop talking about this stuff because my mind was focusing on it. And the fact that I was not just thinking, I was talking about it to other people. I was rebringing, pardon me, I was living the emotion again every time I shared. And in the fact, like you mentioned about your energy during the day, somehow I was putting the message out to everything that that's the state of mind I'm in. And of course that becomes difficult too for the people that are listening to you because they want to honor and listen to what you're saying, but it's not always so easy for them to listen to you when you're talking about things that are difficult experience because they love you, they care about you and they don't want you to be in pain. Mm -hmm. But I was talking about these things and finally I stopped talking about them. And when people, uh, you can see I skipped through things really quickly here. <laughs> I've learned on the podcast, this is not stuff I want to talk about. Everybody has their own experience in their life, but it starts to drag me back into the experience when I think about my dad that I, you know, I was, I was on the plane when, when he died, I couldn't get there from France to Canada. 
like did already it starts to affect me even just thinking about that so i know that that's past and i have to move forward so i have to make sure that i pay attention to my mental and physical state to what degree do you revisit your past then or what is the intention of revisiting the past for you i revisit the past to learn my lessons what i need uh, to learn Yes. And there's always things that I need to learn. I'm in a constant state of growth is how I look at things. And uh, I have to pay close attention to, am I redoing something that I did before? Mm-hmm. Like if things are not going the way I anticipated, typically the one totally responsible is myself. So I have to look and say, what am I doing that I that I didn't learn yet from it? And I think in our lives, uh, you know, we 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 deal with an experience, something that you know we always want to be in a state of growth, a good feeling, we're moving forward. But what happens sometimes is we'll we think we figured something out, but then we'll come right around again back to it, maybe not at the same level, not at the same experience, but deeper. And we may have an interaction with somebody that we don't realize is absolutely nothing got to do with them, but something that we have not dealt with individually. Mm. So, it, it, it's it's it, but it's being aware that you you need to get space on things before you can actually digest them. You have to work mm-hmm. through them as well. Because mm-hmm. I think uh, I'm not a like I'm not a psychotherapist, but I can imagine and I've heard that if people are going through trauma, to start talking to them about the trauma after it just happened, just keeps them in the trauma. They, they you know they they're they're reliving the experience. They need some space and some nurturing and hand holding and support before they can actually walk through it and process it. It's such a profound point. And, and here's the reason why I say that. I know for me, when I started to look at how I talk about my past, and that's one of the common questions that I get asked whenever I'm on other podcasts or other forms of interviews. And I think it's just due to the level of adversity that I had faced, especially in the childhood years. Yes, which is, for sure. You know, it's, it's not... Not everyone has that. And I'm not saying that mine was the most extreme. I mean, there are people that have met their stories that I've heard that have had even uh, more challenging circumstances. But what I find myself doing sometimes is whenever I get asked the question of, well, how did you make through? How did you make it out alive? How did you make that decision when you were nine? How did you do this? Is I no longer tell the same story. Yeah. I no longer tell the same story when it comes to the details. And I think part of it, for me is because there is something within my responsibility that shifted. I understand that I am responsible for my words now. And so me taking the time to take you into the deepest trauma of my life and and share every possible detail within that, it doesn't, it no longer serves the same purpose because there's another way that I can tell that story. There's another way that I can communicate the point behind that story. Yes. And I've, I've found myself doing this in the recent years where I don't, I, I tell the past as a way to create context. I no longer tell the past in order for me to relive it in the moment. That's brilliant. And I found, I, and I understand that now I understand why so many other people that I'm surrounded with follow a similar technique they tell it to create context for what they faced and where they were in and then from there it's more so about there's someone said this a a while ago um and it stuck with me 
something along the lines of they're not interested in where they were. They're interested in where they're going from it. And I think that directly ties to what your point is. And then it's finding the way to keep going. Yes, you've had the set of circumstances in your life. And so have I. And so have many other people. But then the question is, how do you respond to those challenges? Yes. How do you respond to the circumstances? And I, and I wonder if this somehow ties to the theme and the topic that you and I have been exploring as far as the purpose and intention. I wonder if purpose is one of the quote unquote healers. I wonder if looking for purpose within the adversity is the thing that actually transforms that experience. That's a very, very good question. And I'm going to jump in and say that when I'm awake in my mind, in my understanding of life, the hardest things that I've experienced actually really teach me. So in that way, there is a purpose. Mm -hmm in the experiences that are challenging if when we can draw that purpose out when we can reflect on and go okay this happened why what was i what did i need to know and then learning from it and taking action the key thing is is to learn from it and take action you know to what what do i eliminate from my life that created that circumstance in the first place Mm -hmm. because of what you talked about earlier is it's the whole sort of actions and when a lot of times people are making decisions and, and i was thinking about this before we got on the podcast today Oleg, was that it's really important that if we people say i need to make a decision and it's really important and i'll share a little tool in a moment about that when when not to make decisions but it's also about if you don't make a decision that is a decision Mm -hmm. And it actually will leave you in the same place that you're at right now. So if you're not happy with where you are at this moment in your life, relationship, career, health, anything, connections that you have with other people, you've got to take action to move away from that. Not just think about it. You actually have to take action and look and see if that's compounding over time in a positive direction or not. You don't want to obsess about it. That's for sure. But you need to kind of look and say, and you can even do this on a daily basis. Like, wow, I took the time today to actually say hello to people. What happened there? Mm -hmm. How did I feel? How did other people feel? Because we're very social. And when in the world we're in right now, it's not so easy to get the opportunity to be sociable. People still crave this. We want the connection. So you, you need to make decisions that make you move forward because no decision has a big cost. And, and the tool I mentioned, it's, an, it's not my, I mean, I'm full of acronyms because I love <laughs> using acronyms. I lose so many acronyms. People are thinking, why does he like acronyms? I'm obsessed with acronyms because it helps my memory. Really, because uh, my mind does be dancing all over the place with ideas. And to focus my mind, I create acronyms to help contain the information. So within the Wonder Technique, the Holistic Personal Development Program I created, there's lots of acronyms. That helps me, like when I work as a professional speaker, to not get so nervous and lose track of what I'm doing. But the acronym I'm going to share is called HALT, which is not my acronym. And I think the origin I heard from somebody once who was from Alcoholics Anonymous, but I've never been able to find it, but it's H-A-L-T, and it's the times when you do not want to make a decision, okay? So if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, fatigued, 
do not make decisions and doubt. Wait till you, you know, you go to the store. This is the classic example. And you've got no shopping list. You just buy everything, right? But you're buying the wrong stuff and you go home and go, oh, I already had some of that. You don't, you, you know, you're not making good decisions when I've you're hungry. all the time. Yeah. If you're angry, you know what? If you're angry with somebody, don't make a big decision. If you're, for example, you know, you, people get upset about things and it's understandable. Of course we get upset about things, but you're not going to be able to think clearly because I know if I, if I'm a moment in anger, like it's like you're in a fog. Your brain is not connected. And, and people that are like emotional about something, if they're grieving, they can't think the same way, right? There's emotional, I mean, we talk about anger, but there's other emotions. Loneliness, people feeling like, you know what, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen in my life? I'm on my own right now. Those are not times when you want to make a decision on something. You can, you delay it until you don't feel in that state. And actually a great way to, to change your emotional state is to physically move your body. You can physically change your state. So if you're sitting down and feeling sad, get up and go for a walk. And not only are you physically getting outside, hopefully in fresh air, physically it changes who you are and that helps you. And if you're really tired, do take a nap, rest. And I actually took this old acronym and I added something else on it. Because I thought it doesn't really talk about the idea that if you feel sick, people make decisions when they're sick. So I added a letter S for those people who are listening. I, I took the liberty to add an S. So there's an old English word because when I went to university, I remember this in part of a study of English, the word shalt, S-H-A-L-T, thou shalt not do something. Well, shalt, S-H-A-L-T. So I take the word halt, I put an S in front. It's a word. David can remember it. So when you're feeling, <laughs> sick, yeah. when you're feeling sick, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, don't make a decision. You know, it's not the time to do it. But then at other times in your life, to bring purpose to you, you've got to make decisions. You've got to decide. And there's never a bad decision, Oleg. I don't think, I think you learn from everything as an experience. And it's not a failure. It's a, what you take from it. Like okay. a lot of people talk about it's great to fail. And I'm thinking, no, does it, how can you, how can you define failure? It's okay. like saying what's normal. You know, there's no normality. There is no failure uh, in life because we're all moving through stuff. And we're learning from the experience, one hopes. How how do you define failure? I don't use it. There's no such thing as failure to me. Like I really ignore the word because to okay. me, failure suggests to me, failure sounds like there's a almost like um like a death in the experience. There's no actual benefit to what happened. But mm -hmm. there's always a benefit to what happened. Mm -hmm. Even if it's painful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I share a similar perspective. I think for me when I started to look at life through the lens of there truly is a lesson behind every experience, yes. everything started to shift. And I, I was having a conversation like this a couple of days ago with two of my friends and we were talking about the importance of having a perspective. And that is not necessarily anything grand, but more so just being able to see the situation through a one degree difference compared to how you were able to see it before. Okay. I know for me that made a big difference, and and I will say that in developing a perspective, a new perspective, approaching it through the lens of as you described, what am I here to learn? What has this experience truly taught me, or helped me see that I haven't seen before? That's where I was able to get that one degree, the two, the five, all these other degrees of difference is looking at every single one of the opportunities as a learning moment 
And I, I know that when I, when I started to look at life through that lens for me, everything started to shift. I mean, I, I was no longer sucked into the circumstances. I think the concepts such as failure took a completely different perception than the one that I was used to. And in a way, it simplified the journey. And I found myself having a lot more fulfillment because of it. Because I felt that life is truly working for me and with me. And all of these things that are happening, they're not, especially the challenges, they're not happening as a way to stop me or to impede my progress. But it's more so, it's, it's almost like having your best friend who also happens to be one of the greatest teachers, if you allow them to, walking with you every step of the way. And that I, I just, I found that to be such a uh, transformative experience when I started to look at life through that lens. It's a very good lens to use, Oleg, because that way it's going to take away a lot of what people experience as stress in their lives. Mm -hmm. Because we always go through some form of stress, but it's how mm -hmm. we perceive it allows us to enable it um, to be positive or not to be positive. Mm -hmm. So for, for, for me, I definitely think that, you know, having a purpose in life is really important and it's, you have to make sure that you're not mapping it against what someone else's purpose is. I don't think I mentioned it before. The idea is that when you decide on what you are moving towards in your life, your goals, you really have to be very clear that it's actually your goal. Like if you were never to tell anybody what it is, would it still be your goal? Mm -hmm. You know, cause I've seen people make, outrageous goals and it's great to have outrageous goals but they vocalize it and it's because they say well this is what i should say i'm going to write a book and i want it to sell a million copies well great but is that really your goal what is your goal it's kind of like you, you need to ask them what if it doesn't sell a million copies do you still want to write this book you know is it just because you want to put your words down on paper to clarify your thoughts that will help you as an individual perhaps somebody else but mainly you that could would probably be the best first step and not to think of numbers and making an impact on your people. Although you probably have some benefit to offer other people, you need to kind of back down and say, well, what exactly can I do? Mm -hmm. what, what's the, what's the reason behind this? And when you look at things in your own life, uh, it's like, what would I do if nobody knew I was doing it? It's the same as the goal, right? Mm -hmm. If you've ever gone along the street and, uh, um, well, I guess I have to give an example of it. I was driving back from rock climbing a couple of weeks ago and I saw this pie, like a tree. Somebody was going to the dump, I guess. And they, um, the, um, is that the right word for North America? I don't know what it is, but like they were, they were recycling stuff and stuff. Trees had fallen off, I guess the back of the truck. That's what I figured. Uh -huh. but they were in the middle of the, they were in the middle of the road on the side of the road I was on. Now I could have done what I saw cars in front of me, which was drive around it and keep on going. But I pulled over and I dragged all the trees off into the side of the road because I thought as night falls, people are not going to see these branches because it's a road, it's a country road. You're not going to see that. And there's a potential that someone's going to hit them. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm guessing that the driver of the truck, he probably had so much on the back, he didn't see that it just bounced off. 
but it made me think about the fact that we take actions in our lives. I was just happy to do it, right? You know, I just did it. And people showed up when I was there, like driving around me, but nobody stopped, but I didn't care. I made the decision to do that, but I would have done that if there'd been nobody around because I was thinking what could happen? And I think that when we make decisions in our lives, it has to be from ourselves. What would I do regardless of what other people think? And what I did is not a big deal. But what I'm suggesting is it, it takes courage for people to do things that they know that other people may not like. Mm -hmm. They may not accept. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they may not like or may not accept is because they're not in that space in their mind where they're really willing to do what they really want to do. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of questions for you regarding what you just Describe. So first one goes to the whole concept of writing down goals. Okay. Personally speaking, how do you write down goals? Let, let's say if it's the example of wanting to book a speaking engagement. So a couple of questions. A, do you consider the specific amount that it is that you're striving for, for that time that you're going to provide as a service? And then in regard, the second part of the question is in regard to the specific wording of it that you put on the sheet of paper. Do you write book one speaking engagement or do you write it as if you've already attained it? How do you, how, how do you, how do you personally write things like that? Okay. And there's two ways I do it. And it, I've eliminated a long time ago. I wouldn't say I will book a, me a speaking engagement to use your example. Mm -hmm. I will say I have booked a speaking engagement with specifics to say with this organization at this period in time. So I, I'm, it's a direct intention. Like I'm going to the store. I'm going to go into the store and I'm going to go to say the delicatessen. And I would like a sandwich and I would like it on rye bread and I want lettuce, tomato and all the details. Like you're specific about a sandwich. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't walk into a store and say, I just want a pullover or I just want a pair of shoes. You know what you want. <laughs> so in your, in your goal, you need to say exactly what you want. You know, I, I want this item in this way. And I found there's something very interesting that sometimes I will write the goal as if it's already achieved. Almost unconsciously, I have got the booking. And that particular experience happened to me um, completely outside of my work a couple of years ago when I was um, working on selling actually a home I had for sale. Mm -hmm. And I used to write down that I'm actively looking for someone to buy the home. Like there was an action. And then one day, now people listening are probably going to think this is very strange. And actually, <laughs> it happened. It was very strange for me. But I had I'd written down one morning that the house was sold. I don't know why I wrote down the house was sold, not it is for sale. I wrote it down as past tense. That was a Saturday morning. That afternoon, somebody actually came to the home and purchased the home. Now, put it in perspective, I live in France, and most people never, ever pay full price for a home. It is so mm -hmm. rare. They paid full price. And I had to literally step back from the experience when I was in that experience. I, I didn't even remember what I'd done in the morning. This was my gratitude in advance statements, as I like to say. But it actually was happening. I was like, David, don't interfere here. This is positive. This person really wants to buy the home. Keep quiet as the experience unfolded. And I think we can translate that into other experiences in our lives where maybe you meet somebody 
or maybe it's a work opportunity or something, and it seems to be going so incredibly well, you're thinking, this can't be happening. I don't know if Oleg, if you've ever had this happen or somebody mm -hmm. listening, like, this mm -hmm. can't possibly happen to me. This is where we derail everything. Mm -hmm. And the key for me is for me to get out of that experience, still be in it, but say, this is happening. Mm. And let it happen. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question precisely, it's, pre it's present tense as if it happened. And in some cases, if I'm inspired to do it, like the feeling is there, I write it as if it's already happened. It's never a futuristic thing. It's not, I will have X, Y, Z by the end of next year. No, because it's almost like it pushes that all to the future. Mm -hmm. You want to live at the experience now because I believe that time can compress in the sense that we have no idea how, you know, it, particularly, for example, when people in the area of meeting people, whether they're friends, long-term relationships, you don't know that the person that you just walk by on the street tomorrow could be a person that's currently a stranger to you, could end up being a friend or you're in a relationship with them for the rest of your life. You mm -hmm. can't tell. That mm -hmm. shift could take place. So by you being out there in the experience of life, things happen. Mm -hmm. When it comes to your list of things mm -hmm. that you aspire to accomplish, because I think that also relates to the intention and the purpose for the day, do you limit that to a, like three or five? Because I've heard different theories behind it. I've heard some people say only write down three things because realistically that's what many people get through anyway okay now in my case i'm looking at my list right now i have 17 17 different things now i get through most of them okay so i think it just varies but i'm curious to hear your perspective how do you personally put together that list of things that you are wanting to accomplish do you okay. set it to a specific number like what have you learned about yourself you know, if you okay. write down the 50 things, do you actually get to the 50 things or do you get to three of those? Now, you're talking about a to-do list or my life goals, just to be clear. You're talking about That's a, a great question. <laughs> <laughs> just a to-do list, your daily to-do list. Okay, the to-do list, because that's a subset of mm -hmm. the goals. So, um, Actually, like let's, to... let's go the other way around. Yeah, let's let's go the goals, because how many, how many goals do you actually aspire for? Okay, I will say that there. I've grouped them. I mean, knowing enough about my own brain and how it works and how our short-term memory is and how we can remember things, we normally can remember between six and nine things at the same time. This is why phone numbers originally, they made them up into like nine numbers maximum in most countries. And then they started chunking them like the area code. So in the U.S., you'll have like, you know, you'll have the country code, one for North America. Then you'll have like three digits and then you may have seven digits afterwards. But by chunking them into pieces, it's easier for people to remember. And as a human being, I know that that number is important. So I taught a lot about how there's different parts of our lives, our physical well-being, our mental well-being, including our emotional, our relationships, our careers, I part of us always wanting to grow our education. So I assembled what I what I use actually, it's called my perfect goal setting plan, where everything is, there's an, a category for each. So for example, for P is my physical well-being. So inside of that, each day I make sure that I have a minimum of one action that I take to take care of my physical well-being. 
I don't make it too complicated because I know the more complicated, more time consuming it is, the less likelihood it's going to have to happen. So for simply for people listening, because I couldn't walk um, without pain for six months of my life after the rock climbing fall, I always go for a walk every day, first thing in the morning. If I've missed it, it's just un incredible circumstances have stopped that happening. It's like it's a blessing because I'm able to walk, but it's also a physical action that I take. I mean, other days, of course, I will go rock climbing for six, seven hours. It's a different story. But there's always something in my day that does that. And then there's also like if you talk about the um, emotional part of me, I always take the time to calm my mind down. So like, there's just there's one solid goal. And then there's how the ones beneath that. How do I achieve that? You know, inside of um, like I mentioned, the word perfect, the C is for career. And inside of the career is the wonder technique. What action can I take each day to nourish my sharing of what the wonder technique is? And for those people listening, wondering what is, is that thing? Uh, that thing is all about really helping share with everybody the core principles of health and well-being, the fundamental core principles that I've done my very best to simplify. And the biggest barrier to people accepting what I share in the wonder technique is a resistance to simplicity. Mm. It's not a resistance to anything else because the core things that really help us manage stress, become resilient, take care of our health and well-being, are fundamentally quite simple as long once we start to recognize what they're all about. So I take action each day and I also do my very best as part of this process. I didn't mention it only because I, I, I do my very best to walk my talk. I'm not perfect, but I'll make sure that, you know, if somebody walked into my house, the food I say to people, this is going to help you get your brain to work. This is what they'll find in my home. Like, this is what I'm eating to be consistent. And even if people are not watching, it doesn't matter to me. It's like, am I being in, in integrity with myself? Mm -hmm. I don't want to speak for everyone because I'm really in no position to do that. But I am curious about something that you mentioned that fascinates me. And that's that concept of simplicity versus complexity. Okay. Why do you think some or many, whatever the number looks like us of us as humans strive for the complexity part? So if it's something that is too simple, then it's like, cause I, I find myself doing the same thing. That's why I'm asking. There's certain things that truly are that simple. If I were to just commit to X, Y, and Z, that's the thing that's going to help me get through it. But I know that my brain, it's constantly striving for more challenging or more complex way of doing it. And I've been curious about that for quite some time. Like, why is it like that? This is a very good question. I'm, I'm just, this is a David opinion, as I like to say, <laughs> because there's not a bunch of scientific research behind this. I haven't read much about this. I'd say that there's two things going on there, Oleg. One is that complexity can be used to avoid doing a task. I don't know all the details of it yet, so I cannot do it. So we strive to avoid a task by making it more complex. Now, if so we it's make like procrastination. Yeah, it can be a little bit that way. It's like we think, oh, you know what? I can't ask that person out on a date because if they really do like me, then that means then there'll be a commitment. And if there's a commitment, then maybe that might lead to this. And then, you know what? I don't have a home that they would want to live in. I don't even have a car that I can, you know, pick them up in. So you're kind of <laughs> making more and more complex than what it actually is. You're, you're building a frontier in front of you, right? A wall in front of you. So, in fact, if you make things simpler, 
then you'll actually be able to take a lot more action in your life. So you can take care of your health and well-being in a manner, for example, food you choose, if you just simply say, I choose foods that are closer to the way they were created in nature. Mm-hmm. Point blank, that's it. So if you eat an orange, instead of eating, drinking orange juice or something processed, you're closer to its natural origin. It doesn't matter what it is. That is a very simple rule. And, and if you use that, you're, you're, you're really taking a lot of complexity out of the food you're looking at. Now, you can build up a bunch of reasons as to why I, you know what, I need to have taste, flavors, and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But ultimately, what are you trying to do? You're trying to fuel your human body and you're trying to support your system because I think that there's not so much information out there. Could be wrong. There's probably lots of it that David doesn't know about. (laughs) But in terms of our mental health, well-being, like somebody who's trying to meditate and be quiet, you know, calm their mind and make good decisions. I think we can really interrupt that by, for example, the foods that we eat. Because if you're not powering your body properly, physiologically how can you expect the neurotransmitters to work properly if they're if your brain for example is going through a process of inflammation yeah and if you eat a diet that has inflammatory foods what can you expect like where is your expectation so if you back that down and say what can i simply do in my actions to take care of my body better so for i can do more what i like you can get back to more simple um Life is complex. Life itself is not easy. It's not simple. And I think that the more we make things complex, the harder it becomes. So the the, the key to any sort of peace of mind is to simplify things. Uh, As again, I always say, uh, I'm not perfect on this, but if I can have a conversation with somebody that for some reason I haven't been able to connect with, like there's been a miscommunication, you can figure things out conversation on talking talking like we're talking right now mm-hmm. can heal but if you have not got that opportunity like people will say well you know what i'm having i'm not having a great relationship with a person i'll say well when's the last time you talked to them well i've been thinking about it for a few weeks and <laughs> hang on a second here or even a few days right you know and what would really what my, my my dad once said to me once which i think was invaluable you should never go to sleep angry you know, if the person is available for you to be able to talk to them, you should make that time. And it can be uncomfortable because if you're going to say, okay, I'm wrong. I didn't do this right. You know, can we make peace on this? That takes courage. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to leave the day because as you said, right at the very beginning with the stick of notes, right? You want to carry, do I want to carry that energy into the next day? Mm-hmm. Because if I don't get the chance to resolve it, it will carry on. And that's really hard for for people, Mm -hmm. Uh, me included, everybody. You carry it on to the next day, and it's kind of like it's it's coloring your vision a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I know that people listening, especially with what we're going through in the world right now with the pandemic and that, a lot of people's lives have been altered very significantly. Oh, yeah. You know, people were... Their relationships have been split because of different living in different areas. Like couples that are living together, um, you know, they have the benefit. Hopefully, it's working that they're living together. They're more around each other. But couples where there's like the relationship is somebody that's far away and you can't go visit them. Yeah, 
you know, because I live in France and there's frontiers, you know, there's curfew at night right now in the evening and you can't go across regions. And it's very complicated for to keep in touch with people that you cannot see in person. Mm -hmm. We do as wonderful as doing conversations by, you know, different systems like we're doing right now. It's not the same as being in the same room with somebody, is it? Mm-hmm. That's what, do the think, what do you think makes life complicated? Myself. I think, yeah, honestly, because somebody asked me this question recently and they said, you know, what would you ask your younger self? And I would say, David, take a deep breath, step back, don't rush. (laughs) And it goes back to something else you already mentioned too, Oleg, which was very wise, was that when that difficult things happen, they have a reason. And you won't always know what their reasons are. I've had great people tell me that, David, you just, maybe you'll never understand what happened, why it happened, but you just have to accept that it happened. And you also have to give it time. Uh, This may be off topic, but it just came into my mind because I heard somebody talk about this. I think maybe somebody listening, so I will just throw it out there. Uh, it's about, for example, when you're making decisions about your life, but some people might be listening right now who might be going through a process of grieving and they may have somebody close to them who passed away because of COVID. There may be many, many different reasons. And I heard somebody today say, and actually I can say who it was. It was Brett Weinstein. I heard him on a podcast say that grieving is the process of disconnecting from the love that you had from that person. And the more you loved that person, the harder it is to make that disconnect. So somebody had a child or an aunt or an uncle or somebody that was really sick. You know, people pass away a lot. You know, It doesn't have to do with the pandemic right now. But allowing us to go through that process of grieving is actually really important. And when we're trying to make our best decisions for our lives, we also have to honor our humanness. And I think our capacity to love is extraordinary, but we also need to understand that our emotions and that process of grieving is really important. That just popped up in my mind because I heard that today and I thought that was a beautiful way of explaining grieving. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't think it's on topic, sorry. <laughs> no, it, it, it is though, because it makes me think a the intention behind it and, and how to approach it and better understand it. I, I can't say that I've personally thought about what you just described as far as grieving and kind of the spectrum of it, depending on how closely connected and how much love and all these other things that you had with the individual or being animals have a similar impact. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I think for me personally speaking, why I have a uh, not necessarily difficult time, but my grieving seems to be a lot more intense compared to other situations when an animal passes in my life is because that is the being that I've literally, literally spent 24 hours of the day with yes. for like 12 years straight. Yes. My, the dog that I have um, that I'm able to share space and life with, his name is Caleb. Mm-hmm. He's eight years old. I've had him since he was three. He literally turned three a couple of days after I, I adopted him from the Humane Society and him and I have, I mean, we've been through it all. 
the yes. past five years. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's he has had the uh, honor of experiencing all aspects of me, just like I have had the honor of experiencing all aspects of him. Yes. I've seen him be angry. I've seen him be sad. I've seen him be happy. I've seen him be in the moment. I've seen him not care about a single thing that was there, including dog treats. Yes. So that's where I think there is, it's just, it's a profound statement that you made as far as it, not all, but much of that truly does boil down to the connection that you had yes. and how much love you had with that yes. living being. Exactly. And that's a uh, very interesting because uh, when I think back on when my dad passed away, how painful it was for me. And that was based upon the fact that I had so much love for my dad mm -hmm. you know, and we were so connected and we had a similar philosophy. And like when he's, he was one of the people who said to me, David, I hope at some point in time, what we talk about, because before he passed away and that we used to talk a lot about what I do with the wonder technique and trying to bring something positive to people's lives to help them have more peace of mind to manage stress and just live on purpose. He would say, I would love to see this being taught in schools at a younger age. And it hasn't happened yet that I'm aware of. I mean, I've gone into schools and I've taught in schools. I've worked with people very young, six years of age and older, but it's still not a common thing. And if we were to teach students how to use their minds uh -huh. before we taught them how to fill their minds, you know, I'm being aware, like, um, I think, did we talk about this before? For those people who are listening, I recently was introduced by a friend, and this is great to be have such great friends. He introduced me to a book that's about transactional analysis. And in transactional analysis, he talks about that in, uh, people have a parent-adult-child kind of experience inside of mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. if, you know, if you're familiar mm -hmm. with this, and to identify, am I being the adult, which is where you actually want to be? Or am I responding to this like a, a child? Or am I responding like this as a parent? And for those people listening, I am no expert on transactional analysis, but just to kind of define it, if I'm looking at things logically and clearly and peacefully, I'm in the adult mode. If I'm getting all emotional and upset and everything about it, chances are this is kind of like programming from when I was sub five years of age or how I used to deal with things or the way you would expect a very young child to, to react. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the other experience as a, as a parent is where you're just basically acting out experiences that you receive from your own parents. They could be positive. They could be negative. The thing is to be curious on whose experiences are they? Are you becoming, your passion is to become a classics, for example, a medical doctor. Is that your goal or is it because your parents were doctors? It's really my goal. Perfect. No, actually, I, because I grew up around doctors. Excellent. You know what? Or if your parents are to say to you as you grew up, people of that background, you can't trust them. Or all rich people are, are criminals. Like people get all that programming mm -hmm. because of the environment they grew up in. In transactional analysis, they talk about that. So that when you, when you enter into experiences with other people, you have to be aware of what is your framework for thinking and where are you in that experience? So as best I can in this moment in time with you, Oleg, as we converse and people take the time to listen to us, I'm doing my best to be the adult. <laughs> you know, but the, but humor, humor is the positive side to the child, by the way. I remember reading in the book, the playfulness, the creativity, that's the child as well. 
you know the the temper tantrums and all that stuff is 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 a different part of the child that we don't want to have that can just destroy relationships but the creativity the playfulness you know you you children can just play for hours and just be lost in time and and come up with great stuff amazing things mm-hmm. and that's that's that that's the child and as an adult, we want to have that incorporated. There's like a, there is a movement between the um, parent, adult, child. Like the parent is kind of like the discipline that you have for yourself. No, this is this is the correct way. So it's not like the adult is is perfect. The parent is bad. The child is bad. It's not what I'm describing. I'm no expert on transaction analysis. But when I came across that and listened to it, I went, oh yeah, that's making me more aware of how I behave. Mm-hmm. So, and I may, you can see, I mean, this is a whole book and this is a whole theory system, but I look for the simplicity. I can boil it down into PAC. Well, they boil it down into PAC, not me. But I, that's what I grabbed from the book was what can I take into my life right away and be functional? So for those people listening, like, for example, on my website, I have a whole bunch of free gifts that I give to people. And in one of them is a, a, a ebook that's 10 Steps to Health and Happiness. And one of the steps that's in there is literally to stop being an eternal student. If you find something that's interesting to you, work on it, leave other things aside and process it in your life and see if it works. Stop trying to get refined more and more information about how you should write a CV or whatever it is. Go for it, just do it, take that step and see if it works out. We talked a little bit about this already, right, Oleg? Uh-huh. It's about the idea of taking action. And a lot of people that are involved in personal development and I'm part of this process, we're constantly in the process of developing, but we need to step back. And you might find yourself, I think you mentioned this before, or maybe I'm mistaken, like you you have a moment where you really want to learn, and then you find, I don't want to learn anymore, I need to digest this. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's a wave, it's a cycle. And I, and I like sharing this with people to remind them that life is full of cycles, like the sun rising, the sun setting, all these things. We need to uh, know that there's moments when we're, need to be learning and moments when we need to step back there's moments when we need to be listening there's moments when we need to be speaking up mm-hmm. it's not all one way or the other mm-hmm. this is uh, something i've had to learn myself how do you allow the outside environment to influence you and your thought process i do let it for sure and i i look at it and decide based upon my principles that I have developed mm-hmm. over time as to whether it makes sense or not. So I'm open to criticism and, you know, I just want to say criticism, it's, it's advice. You know, I mean, some people, criticism to me isn't, the word isn't a negative word. Feedback. It's, a, it's feedback. Yeah. It's feedback, depending on how people look at it and go, okay, if somebody says that this was my intention, I'm like, was it my intention? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, it was. Oh, my gosh. What did I do there? Or no, that was not my intention. So I like I'm mirroring it against myself and kind of thinking, does this make sense? Have I done something that's out of coherence with my own behavior, my own principles? And honesty is super important to me. And so like I don't want to have ever the opportunity to tell a lie because I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be in a position. So it's like, it, it bothers me to, to be in a position. And if somebody accuses me of, of telling a lie, I'm like, 
did I tell a lie? How the hell did I do that? Like, I mean, like, I'm like, that would be completely out of sync in my head. And I will run through it and see, was I telling something that was not true? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I need, I, I, I appreciate feedback from other people because it helps me calibrate whether I'm actually on track or not. Do you think there's a healthy component though to lying? For example, like before you have developed the courage or have found the language to express whatever it is that you're feeling, is that a healthy uh, component to lying, not telling the truth? Is that what yeah. you just said? Yeah. Uh, um, okay. There, oh, I'll David, give, I'll give, like, I'll give you here. I, 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 it's I've had to put myself in a position where it's been very awkward by telling the truth, mm-hmm. even though it could have been easier just to not tell the truth. Um, but that's just me. It's a hard principle. So I'll give you an example. Like if there is a, a set of circumstances around which um, either it's a new experience that you're going through or some sort of hardship mm-hmm. in, in life. And I found myself sometimes where, and I don't know if it's necessarily, I don't know if lying is the overarching theme within that, but let's say that it could be like not having the language nor the courage just yet to fully express what it is that you're going through and therefore masking that with some other set of circumstances. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but when I was in school in middle school or high school in particular, there there were times where I didn't prepare for a class. I didn't prepare for an exam that I was, that was about to take place in 30 or 45 minutes. So what I would end up doing, because I didn't have the courage nor the proper words to explain to the teacher what was actually happening, is I would just tell them that I'm sick, not feeling well, and that would give me the chance to skip that class and then give me more time to prepare for the exam on the back end. And that's where I was curious, like, is there a, uh, you know, is there a positive angle to the line component because in that case, it gave me a chance to reflect, further prepare, and be even more prepared for that opportunity compared to, um, well, I don't know what it would be compared to. Because it's like I knew the, I knew the words. I knew, the, I knew exactly what I was masking. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have the courage to express that. And so lying was a way to further develop that courage. Not really, though, because I didn't come back and I didn't say the truth for why I uh, ended up skipping that class. <laughs> but you know what you know what I mean, like partially. I'm I'm listening to you. Uh, I'm wondering how you felt after that experience because, uh, I mean, I mean, I felt relieved. I felt relieved that I didn't have to take the test and okay. receive an F. Yeah. Um, or the possibility of an F. Um, but that, that's where I was just curious, like for me, honesty is a, is a critical part and it's something that I practice on a daily basis. But at the same time, I also understand that I don't get it right every time. No, I mean, you may not be in a a moment in time where you are not thinking clearly and you say something that wasn't clear and wasn't right. And you read well, actually, but the lie, I think. You know what? I'm not no philosopher. I mean, this is a question. I guess that's you what I'm asking, and, and yeah, you're yeah. going exactly there. It's like, is there a difference between not thinking clearly and lying? I think there would be because what it, it, I think a lie has intention behind it. Like you want to mislead somebody. Okay. 
but if you say something that you you without the intention of you know it's like is it a lie when somebody says that yeah when the person drove into my car we were right by a stop sign and in fact there was no stop sign like witness testimony is just terrible we're terrible with our visual memories was that a lie or was it because you you thought you saw that you know um i it's not something that i've taught the way you were thinking about it there but i know it would i can anticipate that if when people say to me i don't think you're telling the truth i start to feel not very good because mm -hmm. i'm thinking did i fall that far out of character because it's never my intention to lie and even if it puts me in a difficult space, because, you know, with my children, um, to always tell your children the truth is is a powerful thing for them to experience. But it also is a humbling experience as well, too. If I don't have the answer, I don't have the answer. So for what you just asked me, I really don't have an answer to that. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. All I know is my process that I do my very best to hold myself to the highest standard that I can, because... I'm hoping to to live the best life that I can. And and that doesn't make it always easy. Mm -hmm. But it just means that I feel better about that. Mm -hmm. And that makes perfect sense. I I no, I completely understand that. Okay. Final thought that I have here is what are some ways that people can get in touch with you and learn more about your work? Because clearly you and I can we could talk for a while. <laughs> I, I appreciate everybody listening, their patience, and we're probably thinking, okay, I mean, Oleg is very clear. He's got lots of great ideas, and me with my 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 Irish origin is like I'm genetically programmed to, to talk, to go on a while. But for people to find me, simplicity is the, is the name of the game. TheWonderTechnique.com is scrolling across on the bottom of the screen. That's where everything is about me. I am not very active on social media. That's really the best way of describing it. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. Is that intentional? My life. That's, that's intentional um, for many different reasons. It also makes it easier for me when I share information. I, I am on YouTube. So technically, is that a search engine or is that social media? I don't know how to describe it. But I do have, <laughs> I do have videos on YouTube to share in that format. But on my website, there's a blog. And there's, all, there's hundreds of articles, but there's also my mini courses. And the mini courses, if I may share, there's 10 mini courses. And those ones are quite specific, Oleg, and for people listening. Mm -hmm. One of them is how to sleep well and wake up energized. Another one is how to increase your focus and concentration. Another one is how to become more resilient. These are all particularly focused on an aspect of your life that you want to work on right now. And those mini courses come with a workbook, audio, in most cases 10, maybe 15 audio sections, and a video. I did more audio than video because I knew people would like to listen and, you know, whether they're, you know, cooking dinner or whether they're walking okay. around, whatever you want to do. And there's 10 courses right now. Um, even there's one on uh, how to speak on purpose, how to become like what I did as a professional speaker. And people have access to that. It, the equivalent would be about $10 US. They have access per month is what they they get in there. And if they take all 10 courses in one month and they exit, that's fine. Like there's a massive amount of value for what they pay. I'm not pricing things out of the sky so people can't afford, but when people support by becoming members of that course, it helps support what I'm doing right now, which okay. thankfully to you, Ole, giving me this opportunity. I'm super grateful for this opportunity. I'm, I'm donating my time to support the great work that you're doing 
and by people supporting me through the membership program that allows me to do more of this. And people can reach out to me. My contact information is on the website if they have a question. It's the best way for them to find me. Mm. I love what you mentioned in regard to the courses. One of the first things that came to mind is that book. I think it's Why Do We Sleep by Matthew. Yeah, Why, Why Sleep Matters, yes. Why Sleep Matters. Yes. That's, that is my next read. And then the other part is in regard to the last course that you mentioned around resilience. I'm a huge believer. Once again, this is just my perspective of it. But I believe, for me, the more interesting question is not are you resilient, but how resilient are you? Because I yes. think the elements of resilience, in my opinion, it's within every single one of us. So then the more interesting question for me is how resilient are you? It's a and very good question, Oligan. In fact, I talk about resilience in advance. Actions that you take before things happen. Yeah. You don't want to start learning uh, you know, how to fix your parachute when you're already jumping out of the plane. You need to, the tools you need to acquire during your life. You might say, geez, you know, why am I learning how to tie a rope? Because years later, you might need that technique. And I even shared it before. I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but like in my car, I have jumper cables mm -hmm. just in case I need to jumpstart the car. I've mm -hmm. never used them. I've helped other people. Me neither. <laughs> I've helped other people, but they're there. It's available. I have a fire extinguisher in my home. I've never had a home go on fire. But that to me is also resilience in advance, which means that you have the tools in place just in case something happens. And it's mm -hmm. not a paranoia. It's a preparedness. And actually, one last thing in my capacity to speak Gaelic, the Irish language is not very high, but there is a phrase in Gaelic that's, if I pronounce it correctly, be olive, which means be prepared in English. And being prepared for life, to me, is about resilience in advance. If you want to have a good relationship with somebody, it's the work that you've done before you meet that person. Mm. That's going to make the difference. You're going to do work in the relationship, but what you bring to the table tomorrow is what you've done today. And as a final note, if you want to change your life, you can start right now because what you do today is going to create what happens tomorrow. That's fascinating. I'm writing this down right now. <clears throat> what you bring to the table tomorrow is what you do today. Yes. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this conversation. Thank you to all the people that chose to tune in. Looks like we had Yolanda was one of the people that actually stayed throughout the whole thing. The entire, wow. the entire looks like an hour and 15 minutes that you wow. and I spent together. And her comment was, I agree with you wholeheartedly, David. I, I'm not going to pronounce your last name because I'm probably going to butcher it. Hennessy? Hennessy is exactly right. Yes. Hennessy. Okay. Yeah. So there, I just had to be more confident in that. Teach children how to use their mind before you filled their mind. Well, that lady has a great memory because that's exactly what I said. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for being a part of this and, and sharing this space with me and everything that you've shared. I know that I'm walking away with a page full of notes here. Just it, it was profound. It, it truly was profound for me to open myself up to all these different ways of thinking and perspectives. And I just think that you have, um, you, you have a lot of value and thank you, you're a big contribution to my life and to this world, in my opinion. I'm touched. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you to say that. 
I'm a work in progress. So. <laughs> As we all are. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And thank you for everybody listening. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider supporting our cause by making a donation through our website at overcomingodds.today so we can continue creating and sharing these courageous and inspiring conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.